0: (laughs) Take my hand and follow me into the darkness of horror film reviews and real tales of the paranormal. I'm Mr. Steve, and welcome to my horror section. Diabolical forces are formidable. These forces are eternal, and they exist today. The fairy tale is true. This is a quote from Ed Warren. On this episode, I will be taking you into the terrifying world of the Conjuring universe. But before I do, I have a chilling encounter that happened to a very close friend of mine. I was told this encounter by a very dear friend of mine who would like to remain anonymous. We will just call her... Veronica. This was an incident that happened right after the passing of her mother-in-law. After days of no return phone calls, Veronica's sister-in-law decided to contact the police department to do a wellness check on her mother, who lived alone. When the police officers arrived, they found her deceased at the bottom of her basement stairs. It's unknown whether she passed away from the fall or if she had some sort of episode that led to her falling down the stairs. Veronica and her husband, we'll call him Bruce, had just learned about his mother's passing. It was 3 a.m. Bruce and Veronica were still awake trying to process the death of his mother and what now needed to happen. The back door of their house slammed shut on its own. With their hearts ready to beat out of their chest, they went to investigate. There were no signs of an intruder. Understandably creeped out, they tried to calm their nerves and get some sleep. On the day of her funeral, they would hear a couple of stories that really made them raise an eyebrow. Now, it's important to understand that Veronica and Bruce aren't big believers in the paranormal, but what they were about to hear would change that a little bit. Bruce's sister came up to them at the funeral just dying to tell them what had happened to her on the night their mother had passed away. Keep in mind she knows nothing about what they had encountered the same night with the door slamming. Bruce's sister, we will call her Judy, Judy told them that at 3am on the night that her mother passed she was shaken awake by a hand on her arm and she heard her mother's voice say, You need to wake up now. It's time to get up. Bruce and Veronica looked at each other with wide eyes. Disturbed by the story, but still choosing to keep their story hush-hush. Now, here's where it gets really weird. Just a few moments later, Bruce's father pulls them aside saying he had to tell them about what happened to him on the night of her passing he told them exactly the same story they had just heard from Judy. He was also awakened at 3 a.m. by a hand on his arm, shaking him and telling them that he needs to wake up. Judy and Bruce's father had not spoken to each other yet and had no idea that they each had experienced the exact same thing on the same night at the exact same time. Two people sharing the same experience, plus the door slamming shut all on the same night around the same time. Totally freaky. Veronica and Bruce both feel that this was his mother just stopping by to pay everyone a visit before moving on to eternity. So wild. Now, I love hearing spooky stories. If you have had anything happen to you that you'd like to share on my show, shoot me an email at horrorsection.com. Dot Steve at Outlook. Now it's time to talk about possibly one of the greatest horror film franchises ever, The Conjuring Universe. Now anyone who has an appreciation for horror knows who James Wan is. He needs no introduction. His films have made him a massive force to be reckoned with in the world of horror, and rightfully so. The Conjuring was released on July 19th, in 2013, and terrified audiences, me being one of them. But the terror didn't stop there. The Conjuring gave birth to one of the most successful horror franchises of our time. The stories used for these films were taken from the real case files of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Now, there's eight films to hit on, so I'll try to sum up my love for them as quickly as I can for you guys, because I'm sure you have things to do. The original Conjuring was about the Perrin family and their battle with an evil entity haunting their country home. I probably should pause for a moment to tell you a little bit about Ed and Lorraine Warren if you don't already know who they are, which I'm betting most of my listeners do. The Warrens are pretty much the grandparents of the modern-day ghost hunters and paranormal investigators. They became famous for their work on the real Amityville horror case. They are the founders of the New England Research Society for Psychic Research. And they have investigated hundreds of paranormal cases. Ed was the only self taught demonologist to be recognized by the Catholic Church. And Lorraine was a very powerful clairvoyant medium whose abilities have been documented and studied by researchers. I actually had no idea who they were until I saw Lorraine on a few episodes of Paranormal State as a psychic consultant on some of their cases. She was incredible to watch just this tiny, adorable old lady walking around picking up signs of demonic infestations. It was just so darling. Who would have thought their life's work would become one of the biggest horror film franchises in the world? I think it makes perfect sense. And what better filmmaker than James Wan to bring their stories to life? Alright, back to the film that started it all. The Conjuring started off by introducing us to a special doll that would make Chucky look like a little Cabbage Patch Kid. Annabelle had me completely spine-chilled within the first five minutes of this movie. Annabelle was based off the real doll that is reportedly possessed by a demon, and to this day remains locked in a case inside the Warrens Museum and blessed on a weekly basis. And if you've seen the Annabelle films, you won't have to ask why. After that marvelous introduction, the film takes us to the new country home of the Perrin family. They are just getting settled in when the spirit of the Satan-worshipping witch Bathsheba Sherman begins to terrorize them. Enter the Warrens to figure out what's going on and to help rid this family of the unwanted spirit. (laughs) This film has so many good scares in it, it's really hard to pick a favorite. But if I was forced, I would have to say the scariest scene for me was the scene in the bedroom when the sisters were trying to get some sleep. Christine, played by Joey King, did a stand-up performance. She's trying to get some shut-eye, when something rank catches her nose hairs. She tells her sister Nancy to stop farting. Uh Moments later, as she is trying to fall back asleep, you see her foot get tugged. A couple seconds later, an invisible force practically yanks her off the bed. She is clearly startled, as anyone would be. She looks around the room, but there is nothing to be seen. It's when her eyes make their way to the corner of the room by the bedroom door that your gut tenses up. She can see something, staring back at her. We don't see anything but darkness. She desperately calls out quietly to her sister, without taking her eyes away from the corner of the room. The camera looks back at the corner and you find yourself just straining to see what it is that she's seeing, but still nothing the terror on this girl's face has you completely convinced that she is seeing something. For some reason, this scene had every hair on my body standing on end. That's not to say the rest of the film didn't. There are so many spine tinglers in this film, we'd be here all night talking about all of them. In the long run, the Warrens perform a terrifying exorcism on Mother Perrin who has been possessed by Bathsheba and save the day. They take with them a music box that one of the parent daughters found back to their museum of haunted artifacts, locked away in their home. On October 3rd, 2014, Annabelle would show us what real terror is all about. (coughs) Taking us back before the events of The Conjuring, we get to see how Annabelle eventually ended up with the young women we see her with in the beginning of The Conjuring which, just for your records, is the real story uh, the Warrens had investigated, as talked about in their book, The Demonologist. Great book, by the way. One of the young nurses had received Annabelle as a gift from her mother. Strange things started to happen. The doll would be found in different positions than when they left her. It progressed to finding her in different rooms entirely. The roommates started to suspect that their apartment was haunted, so they began reaching out. The ghost identified itself as Annabelle Higgins. She was reportedly a little girl that had passed away in their building. She asked if she could move into the doll to stay with the girls. They said yes. Bad idea. This was no little girl. It was a demon that wanted to use the doll as a conduit to get to the girl's the nurses would find pieces of parchment paper with handwritten notes on it randomly throughout the apartment that they believe were written by Annabelle, which actually was utilized in the films, which made it even creepier knowing that uh, this was something that was reportedly happening in the real-life case file. The thing about the Conjuring sequels and prequels is that they never got cheesy or campy like many of the horror franchises of the 80s did. Every one of these films gave me chill bumpies at one point or another. One of the tricks in Annabelle uh, that was utilized to make you shit yourself Mm -hmm. was the use of the background. There would be things happening in the background that had me pointing at the screen a lot as if the actors could see me (laughs) trying to warn them. The scariest scene in Annabelle for me would have to be in the basement storage scene. Um, Mia, our main character, played by Annabelle Wallace ironic right also a little fun fact Annabelle Wallace is one day younger than me Uh, Mia makes her way down to the storage basement while she is down there you hear the sound of her baby crying in the dark background you see a baby carriage roll into view the baby's cries seem to get louder as Mia slowly makes her way over to the carriage As she reaches in to lift the blanket covering the baby, a demonic hand quickly grabs a hold of Mia's arm. She runs in terror back to the elevator. You see a tall demonic figure stand up behind the carriage. But it is so dark that you don't get a real solid look at him. He is just staring back at Mia as she runs for safety. The scares don't stop there. Mia hits the elevator button. The door closes. However, when it opens up, she is right back in the storage basement. My heart was pounding at this point. She frantically hits the button again. The door closes. It again reopens to the basement. You can hear growling, but the demon is nowhere to be seen. She makes a break for the stairs. The power is out. The only light coming in is the flashes of lightning from the storm outside. She checks down the stairwell as she is making a break for it. At one point, she turns and uh, stops and turns around. Remaining still, you can see down the stairs the shape of something in the darkness. Lightning flashes, revealing the demon holding still on the staircase like a panther, ready to pounce. There were so many high anxiety scenes in this film, but that one shook me up the worst. I wanted to give a quick shout-out, too, to Alfre Woodard. I absolutely adore her, and she was a great addition to this film. I think one of the things that makes The Conjuring films even more amazing is the attention to detail in the storytelling. These are very well-thought-out stories and have such depth and strong messages to be conveyed. You find yourself towards the end of every film going, Ooh, ah, I get why they did that. Um, You know, or... It all fits now. <laughs> and I love that so much. <laughs> Alright, moving on. Almost three years later, on June 10th of 2016, The Conjuring 2 was released. Taking another case of the Warrens, the Enfield poltergeist, and bringing it to a horrifying life. This story took the Warrens across the pond to England to help save a single mother and her children from a demonic presence. In the beginning of this film, we get to see a glimpse into the Amityville horror case. They don't spend much time on it before moving on to the Enfield case, but they found a way to connect it. I have a big recommendation that whenever they decide to end the Conjuring films, they should round it all out and do a retelling of the Amityville horror case. After all, that was the case that put Ed and Lorraine Warren into the limelight and I think it would make a great finale for the series, if done properly. Anyway, back to Conjuring 2. This was such a well-done film. When you thought it couldn't get any scarier after the first Conjuring and Annabelle, this film takes it to the next level. We get introduced to the nun, who quickly became a favorite character of mine. She is this silent, bone-chilling presence that takes the guise of someone who, that symbolizes love and peace and turns that into the very essence of evil. She never speaks, except to scream this guttural demonic scream. She is the main antagonist here. She has pulled a veil over the family, actually using the spirit of a man that died in the house, Bill Wilkins, to hide behind while she pulls the strings. She made her appearance in the beginning of the film in the Amityville house, and then makes another appearance at the Warren's house for what to me was one of the scariest moments in this film. Lorraine and Judy, her daughter, see the nun staring them down from the other end of their hallway. She slowly makes her way into Ed's office. Lorraine bravely follows her. In the office, she is nowhere to be seen. The door slams shut behind Lorraine. The shadow of the nun moves from behind the painting of the Perrin family house from the first Conjuring film, and slowly moves along the wall. The shadow makes its way around the room while Lorraine watches like a hawk. It eventually stands behind the painting of the nun that Ed has done after seeing her in his dreams. You see a pair of creepy pale hands work their way from behind the painting, just before the nun rushes from the wall at Lorraine. Very anus-clenching moment in the movie, among many others. There is an interesting hidden gem in this scene that I never noticed until I watched it to do my notes. If you pay attention when Lorraine and Judy are sitting in the living room, there are these decorative block letters spread out on the bookshelf along the wall. If you put them together, they actually spell out the demon's name that we don't learn until the end of the movie, Valak. Watch for that next time you watch this movie. Another character that is introduced in this film is the Crooked Man. He was quite the scary one, and I've heard that he might be getting his own film, or at least it's possibly in the works according to Wikipedia. We shall see. Once again, Ed and Lorraine saved the day and exorcised the demon Valak from terrorizing this poor family. Again, a big shout out to the child actors. Amazing job by Madison Wolfe, who plays Janet the young girl being targeted by the demon. She does such a convincing job. All the kids did, actually. At the end of the film, we get to hear an actual recording of the Warrens' investigation during the credits. As if the events of the film weren't scary enough, this recording of the real interview with the possessed Janet will make your skin crawl. Only one year later, on August 11th of 2017, we refocus our attention back to the doll of all dolls, Annabelle, in Annabelle creation. Now we get to see how it all started, going back before the events of Annabelle. She was created by the delightful doll maker, Mr. Mullins. He designed this doll after his daughter, B, which we later learn was just a nickname for her. Her real name was, you guessed it, Annabelle. Sadly, B gets hit by a car and dies in the beginning of our story to set the following horror in motion. And oh my god, her death scene will put your heart in your throat, just to warn you. Twelve years have gone by, and the Mullins have opened their home to some orphans looked after by Sister Charlotte. Enter the orphan Janice. This poor girl survived polio, but she was left with her legs in braces and using crutches to get around. I really felt bad for her character. She was dealt a pretty shitty hand, as if being an orphan wasn't hard enough. But having to deal with polio and being treated like an outcast by most of the other orphans just sucked for her. The poor girl had one friend and Sister Charlotte looking after her. Well, I guess she had someone at least. Glass half full, right? The girls were told to stay out of a specific bedroom. Psst, it's Annabelle's old room. Well, apparently Janice does what she wants. She sneaks her way into Annabelle's old room and finds a hidden door that has been keeping the Annabelle doll locked away from the world and surrounded by pages of the Bible stuck to the wall to keep the evil contained. Well, now the genie is out of the bottle and she is all out of wishes, but she's got plenty of hell to unleash. The demon is after a soul and it has picked Janice's. One of my favorite scenes had to be when Janice was trying to get away from Annabelle, Uh, the poor thing can't run with her legs in braces and on crutches, but she is trying her darndest. There is a chair elevator attached to the staircase. Janice makes her way to it as a black cloud is coming out of Annabelle's room after her. Those chair elevators aren't very fast. She is slowly descending the staircase when it stops. Shit, she would've done better if she just rolled down the stairs. The elevator starts heading back up the stairs towards the evil that is Annabelle. Now for the third time I will mention the amazing job done by the very young actress to pull off this truly frightening film. The chair reaches the top. Janice looks around frantically but sees nothing waiting for her. Suddenly she is yanked straight out of the chair. Moments later, she falls from the ceiling down to the first floor. This poor girl. Eventually, the demon breaks her down and possesses her. Mrs. Mullins, who has been hiding eerily in her room, eventually spills the beans to Sister Charlotte, who we find out is connected to the abbey that houses the nun. Apparently, shortly after their daughter Annabelle died, her spirit, or what they thought was her spirit, started to make contact with them. This went on for some time, and eventually she asked to move into the doll so she could be with them forever. Naturally, the grieving parents said yes, not knowing what they were actually inviting in was a demon in the guise of their child. In another chilling scene, Mrs. Mullins had figured out that the entity was not their daughter, after catching a glimpse of its true demonic figure in a mirror. She went in to confront the demon, seeing her daughter sitting with her back to her at her tea table. All of a sudden, she starts to morph into this tall, gangly version of Annabelle and attacks Mrs. Mullins, which is why she ended up in a hidden room surrounded by the word of God on the walls. Now, a possessed Janice is on the warpath trying to kill the remaining orphans and Sister Charlotte, After forcing her into the hidden Bible wall room, the girls escape the house that it is ready to implode from the demon being trapped within the holy closet. When the cops arrive, there is no Janice to be found. The doll Annabelle would somehow find its way to being purchased by John and Mia in the original Annabelle film. Now for the big twist. Janice makes her way to another orphanage and is now calling herself Annabelle. Still possessed... She is adopted by the Higgins family, who, after she is all grown up, joins the Disciples of the Ram cult and runs away from home. Now we see the beginning of the original Annabelle, when Annabelle, a.k.a. Janice, comes home to kill her adopted parents, tries to kill Mia, ends up shutting herself in the room with the doll Annabelle, and commits suicide, putting the demon back inside the Annabelle doll i loved how they linked up the stories again so well written as all the conjuring films are now we go even further back as we look at the origin story of the nun this story takes place in 1952 in romania released on september 7th of 2018 the nun tells a story of an abbey tucked away in the woods that is being plagued by a powerful evil. This castle was built by the Duke of Cartha, who was a very dark soul. He practiced black magic and opened a portal calling forth the demon Valak. The church stormed the castle to stop him. They began perpetual praying to keep the evil contained in the castle. The nuns would take shifts, praying continuously, Never once stopping the words of God for fear the demon would reemerge. After one of the nuns commits suicide by hanging herself, the Vatican sends a priest to investigate this situation along with a novitiate nun, Sister Irene, played by Vera Farmiga's younger sister, Thaisa. The two are led to the abbey by the young and handsome villager Frenchie to figure out what is going on. This movie was filmed beautifully. It's a gothic-style horror film, uh, and its, uh, it's just overall style was very, very appealing to me. Many may laugh, but the scariest scene for me was actually towards the beginning, when Frenchie brings the priest and sister Irene to look at the body of the nun who committed suicide. He had moved her to the cool storage area so she would be preserved. When he brings them to her, he stops and stares in fear as the nun is sitting upright. He tells the priest that when he left her, she was laying down. That gave me the biggest chill out of the whole movie. Not to say that the rest of the film wasn't scary. That was just the one scene that really got to me and set the tone for the rest of the film. After an intense battle with the demon Valak, we believe that the evil is once again contained. However, the demon has secretly hitched a ride out of the abbey. On the back of Frenchie's neck, we see an upside-down cross reveal itself. This gives us the connection to the other Conjuring films. In the original Conjuring, the Warrens were showing a presentation of an exorcism to a college classroom. The young man in the film they were showing was indeed Frenchie. It's here that he grabs Lorraine and psychically shows her a vision of her husband Ed's possible death, connecting Valak to them and the events that would unfold at Amityville and in the England and in England in The Conjuring 2. A vision that Lorraine ends up thwarting at the end of the film, defeating Valak in The Conjuring 2. I was doing some reading and I did see where the go-ahead for a sequel to The Nun was given, but that's all I could find at this time. The next film in the Conjuring universe I'm going to talk about is The Curse of La Llorona, released in April of 2019. I actually had no idea that this movie had anything to do with the Conjuring universe until I was doing my research for this episode. It is very much a standalone story, not really connected with the Warrens. The way they connected it is with the priest Father Perez from the original Annabelle film. He meets with the family that is being terrorized by La Llorona and reveals to, him, to them his past of dealing with the supernatural and his experience with Annabelle. Father Perez puts them in contact with a folk shaman who assists in taking care of the weeping woman. So, La Llorona is actually a legend very famous in Mexico. However, there are other variations of this story of the weeping or wailing female spirit that roamed the earth in many different cultures throughout the ages. The earliest documents found on La Llorona date back to the 1500s. A young Mexican woman marries a rich conquistador, has two children with him, he cheats on her, she finds out, and in a fit of rage drowns her two children in an attempt to take away that which is most precious to her former love. In doing this, she realizes what a mistake she's made, and in in her grief, she drowns herself. Now, her spirit roams the earth, crying and wailing while she searches for the spirits of her children that she killed. Just like the rest of the Conjuring films, excellent storytelling and very scary, I think the scariest part for me, for some reason, was actually in the very beginning when they are showing us the legend of La Llorona. So the film played it off as if she was possessed when she killed her children. You see her eyes kind of glazed over with a dead glow to them. Then she snaps out of it, her eyes go back to normal, and she realizes what she has done. I think it was brilliant the way they did it, because when you read stories of mothers or fathers killing their children, I often think, wow, those crazy fuckers had to be possessed. What other explanation is there? And then I remember, oh yeah, there are just crazy people out there. I also was so excited to see Patricia Velasquez. I haven't seen her since she played Moon in the Mummy films. I just love her, and it was so cool seeing her on screen again. 2019 was actually a big year for the Conjuring films. In June, Annabelle Comes Home was released. The Warrens have brought Annabelle home. This takes place after the events of the first Conjuring and before the second one. This was the first movie in the series that I felt had a lighter feel to it. Don't get me wrong, it had some very scary moments in it, but this one didn't scare me as much as the rest. The story follows the Warrens' daughter, Judy. Ed and Lorraine are out of town investigating a case. Judy is at home with her teenage babysitter, Mary Ellen, celebrating her birthday. Happy birthday. Mary Ellen's friend, Daniela, crashes the party and manages to break into the Warrens' haunted trophy room and accidentally unleashes Annabelle. (laughs) Well, not only did Annabelle get to come out and play, but other demonic entities made their presence known in this night of terror at the Warrens' house. The scariest part for me in this film was the ferryman scene with Mary Ellen. The ferryman's job is to usher the dead on their way to eternity. In order to ride the ferryman's boat, you have to pay him with two coins. These coins are placed over the dead's eyes in many burial rituals. Mary Ellen goes into the closet in Ed's office, which has morphed into this long, dark corridor. Making her way through the darkness, she eventually comes face to face with the ferryman in a shocking jump scare that about gave me whiplash. This movie was very special to me because the real Lorraine Warren passed away that year, and this film was dedicated to her. I also dedicated Steve's Horrors Film Fest uh, 2019 to Lorraine as well. I focused on films that had to do with paranormal investigation. Much like I'm doing for this season of my podcast. This brings us to our most current film that was released in June of 2021 The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. This film followed events that led to the court case of Arnie Johnson in 1981, who had committed the murder of his girlfriend's boss. Arnie insisted that he was not in control and that he was in fact possessed by demonic forces. The movie kicks off with an intense exorcism scene, with Ed and Lorraine trying to exorcise a demon from an 8-year-old boy, David Glatzel, who is the younger brother of Debbie, who is Arnie's girlfriend. In the process of the exorcism, the demon leaves David and enters Arnie, and the story goes from there. This film introduces another terrifying villain, the occultist. What I found interesting about the occultist is that she was part of the cult that Annabelle Higgins belonged to, the Disciples of the Ram, which was talked about in the original Annabelle. I actually didn't make that connection uh, the first time I watched this movie. I didn't uh, notice it till I was making my notes. In this film, we really get to see the extent of Lorraine's power as a medium. At one point, the occultist has Arnie about to take his own life in prison and Lorraine was able to get to her through a psychic connection and stop her. The morgue scene had to be the scariest scene for me. Uh, Ed and Lorraine break into this morgue to continue their investigation. While creating a psychic connection with the deceased girl connected to the actions of the occultist. actually part of the scene I was just talking about where Lorraine goes Jean Grey on the occultist. The occultist reanimates the dead body of this big, fat, creepy guy to attack Ed and Lorraine. The whole scene made me hold my breath. (laughs) That's my uh, telltale sign when a scene really gets to me. I refuse to breathe. I love it. (laughs) I haven't passed out yet, so thank God these uh, high-intensity moments don't typically last too long. All of the Conjuring Universe films do a respectable job of being very true to the process of paranormal investigation. I do want to say, while these films were based off of true encounters, it has to be understood for entertainment's sake that the stories had to be somewhat intensified. I was reading some of the comments that people were making, like, oh, it didn't happen like that, and the Warrens weren't even involved that much with this case, and blah, blah. Folks... These are horror films, not documentaries. It never ceases to me uh, to amaze me the amount of venom people have and boldness they feel while sitting behind a computer screen to just say whatever they want, no matter who it hurts. Try being nice. I think you'll find that it's really not that hard. Anyways, end rant. I absolutely love all of these films. They tell a great story surrounding two amazing people in the world of the paranormal who will never be forgotten and paved the way for so many other investigators. The films never lose their integrity. They are all so well written and performed and every film was terrifying. So thank you, James Wan, for bringing the paranormal adventures of Ed and Lorraine Warren to life for us. I want to thank everyone again for joining me. On my next episode, I will bring you another real story of the paranormal. And I will be delving into another horror franchise that had people abandoning their seats in the theater. Paranormal Activity I leave you with this quote by C.G. Huang No tree, it is said can grow to heaven unless its roots reach down to hell Sleep tight and see you next time Steve's Horror Section is an independently produced podcast. If you would like to become a, a supporter of the show, you can visit my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Section. The music and sound effects on my show are provided by epidemicsound.com.